Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thanks tonight for what you're doing in this world. We pray that you would have mercy upon us, Lord, if we have lost our vision, if our heart does not beat for these things, if we're not concerned for the lost, for those that are far, for those that are brokenhearted, for your ministry is to heal the brokenhearted. Your ministry is to reach out to the poor. Your ministry is to bring those that are not here, who have no hope, and that they might have hope by the message we're able to deliver. I pray tonight, O oh God, as we revisit Restoring the Fish Gate, chapter two of Restoring the Gates, Lord, that that heart, your heart would be implanted into us, Lord. There would be a heart transplant and that we would start yearning and caring and desiring to reach out to those that are not yet home, Lord. Give us a good understanding for what's going on in the heart of the lost, O oh God. What's going on in the most secret place of these people that are far from the Father's embrace. Father, and that this word tonight would not just be a Bible study, Lord, but that you, it would be an impartation of your heart and your spirit towards our lives, our families, our future, Lord, our plans, that they would be your plans, Lord. Prosper your word in our hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I've always had an issue trying to reach out to someone when I really don't have the sentiments of being able to reach out to someone. Like I said with this guy, Fernando Hidalgo, who in all practical purposes is a guy that I would consider not worthy of receiving such a beautiful gift. And so even the challenges of go to hell, you know, are the proclamation of many Christians just looking left and right. Oh, he's going to hell. Oh, she's going to hell. Oh, he's definitely going to hell. Oh, he, the devil got him. Oh, yeah. That's a, and so we, we are great in diagnosing the people to go to hell. In fact, that's how I got saved because my 10-year-old cousin came up to me and she pointed at me and she says, Joaquin, you're going to hell. And I said, why, why am I going to hell? I don't, I don't understand the concept. Why, you know, I believe in Jesus and I go to church and I grew up in the Catholic church and why, why am I going to hell? And it seems to be that the message of the, that's in the mouth of a Christian and in a Christian's heart is the condemnation. Um, but it's not the Lord's condemnation because he came to seek and save that which was lost. He's looking under the rubbish. He's looking for stray dogs and stray puppies and stray children. That's the heart of God. And, and the worst, say with me the worst. The worst of the worst. So that you don't have any... Um, inclinations towards seeing a prostitute or a thief or a pedophile or a homosexual or a Muslim or a Mormon. Um, on our trip down to, to Peru, there was a lady in line at the airport and she said she was going into Peru to go up to the mountains to meet with native Indians uh, to chant and to channel spirits. And she was in line with us and, and why did God put her right there in line with us? Because we had the message. We had the gospel, and so we reached out to her and, and did that. But again, I want to start from the, pen, from the point of it might not be inside of you the burden to reach the lost, and it, 
It is our instruction, 2 Corinthians 5.20, where it says that when you represent God, and that's what we are when we are restoring the fish gate, we're uh, reaching out to the lost, those that aren't in the kingdom yet. Paul says like this, we are ambassadors for Christ, and the way we do this work is as if God, say with as if God, were pleading through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, turn to God. That's, that's what's going on when we are preaching the gospel. We need to make a clear message to those that do not know in a way that God would, would tell them. And, and you feel confident of taking that role. And, and you know, some, sometimes tears come out of my eyes. Why? because tears are coming out of God's eyes. His heart is that not one person on the planet, not one, listen to me, not one, the ugliest, the, the farthest, the worst, not one, Joey, not one would be lost. That's the heart of God. In every direction, I don't care if they're gay, they're lesbian, they're, they, they're lost in sin, they, they're wife beaters, they're, they're abusers, they're child abusers, the worst of the worst, that's what the message is. God in Christ is calling the whole world to turn back to God. And he, he doesn't take delight for one person to be lost. And so when the Spirit of God is upon you, guess what's happening? Through you, He's begging. He's pleading. We implore. We're standing as if Christ were standing Thinking like if Christ was thinking, reaching out. We're no longer serving ourselves. I'll tell you a story. Uh, soon after I became a Christian, I joined, uh, I was going to a gym. I was in college and I was working out. And all of a sudden, some gentleman comes over and says, hey, can you help me work out? I said, sure, well, I'll help you. Let's, let's go ahead and spot the guy and help him do his weights. And, and for, for like six weeks, we met at the gym, and he was always there, and he says, okay, we'll, we'll partner into this thing, and you help me, and I'll help you, and I was going to witness to this guy, and I came home one night, and I told Yvette, um, I, I think we were just, we weren't married yet, but I, I called her, I said, listen, there's a guy that I met at the gym, what, what, the nicest guy you'll ever meet, he told me a story as he came from Cuba without a father, he moved in with his mother, um, he ran away at the age of 16. He's been on the street. Now he's 22. And, and the nicest guy, he's had to make it on his own. And I said, I sure hope that this guy is not gay. I, I really hope that he's not, you know, on the other side here. And sure enough, the next day I show up at the gym and, and he says, I got something to tell you. I said, he goes, I can't tell you, it's a secret. I said, look, I don't hang out with people to have secrets. And so he finally came and he told me, I'm gay. And I got goosebumps all over my body. And, and I felt like getting in my car and running them over. <laughs> and the Lord says, this is why I had you meet this guy. Because you need to tell him about me. And so I, I didn't even think about it. I said, you know something? God loves you. And, and God sent his son to die for you. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to come in your heart. He, he loves you so much. 
And, and this guy, I, I just spent like 20 minutes just talking to him about the Lord and talking about salvation. I gave him my testimony, how I came to the Lord, and I just shared and shared. And at the end of it, he says, you know something? I want to know what you think about me. I said, I just told you. He says, no, you told me what God thinks about me. I want to know what you think. And I said, you don't want to know what I think. <laughs> you really don't want to know what I think because ever since I was a little boy, I hung out with Cuban men who can't, I didn't even tell them that, but, but I said, trust me, you don't want to know what I think because that's not important. What's important is God loves you and God wants to come into your life and God wants to save you. And, and he says, no, you just don't want to hang out with me because I'm homosexual. I said, no, because, see, I'm, I'm not rejecting you because of your lifestyle because my best friend is a womanizer. He likes women. And, and he's, he's doing things that don't please God, and I don't hang out with him. So it's not the fact that you're gay. is that you have embraced sin, and I don't hang out with people that embrace sin because God saved me from sin. So then I left, and, and I, you know, I got in my car real quick, and I, I took off. And, and hoping to never see him again. I did my part. I, I, I was proud of myself. I, I, was, I was, Lord, I did it. I was able to do it. Someone who I personally despise or maybe I have prejudices or I have attitudes, I, I was able to put that aside for the first time in my life and to beg that he would come to Christ and that he would find the same Jesus who saved me because that's what it comes down to. Well, he called me up the next day and he says, hey, um, could we still hang out together? I said, listen, um, you have made it clear that you're not interested in giving your heart to the Lord and, and coming to the Lord. If you wanted to, I, I would help you. And, and, and man, I would do everything in my power to help you walk with the Lord. But, but you've told me you don't want. He says, no, I'm not interested in that. And I said, well, you know something? You and I have nothing in common. Nothing in common. You have decided to walk in the direction and, and you know something during this time we need in, in such a way to have the heart of God and you know what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real honest with you tonight the, the evidence that these chairs here are empty shows the condition not of the people in the world it shows the condition of our heart I had a woman that joined this church 10 years ago she, she drove a Mercedes Benz it was a 19... A 2000, let's go subtract, it was a 2004, brand new, I'm talking about, this was like an airplane, brand new Mercedes-Benz. This thing was like a, like a Lear jet. She was a multimillionaire, so a very well, wealthy woman. And she called me in the morning, uh, she called me and she says, um, Pastor, I'm calling because I'm wondering if maybe the church van could come and pick me up. And I said, you know something? I would never pick you up in the church van because God has blessed you so much and you should be using your brand new Mercedes Benz to fill it up every service and bring loads and loads of people to church. How is it that God has blessed us and prospered us so much and we don't have time to look and to think upon others? And we, we want to come to church now and, and just continue to, uh, you know, to make the, create a burden for the church. God has prospered us. So what I'm trying to say tonight is if there's anything that, that we need to do as a church and as true believers is we need to cry tonight that all these chairs are empty. Because this is not a condition of what the world is like. It's a condition how we are like. 
And, and we, we, like I said, we're not reaching out. We're not reaching out. And the fruit is an empty church. But listen to what uh, David was able to say in Psalm 51, 13, because I don't want to discourage you with that. I just want to teach you that when you're right with God, then you're going to be motivated. And you will be motivated to go out and let others experience what you're experiencing. And he says in verse, uh, we could go in verse, um, let's start in verse 12, uh, Psalm 51, verse 12. He says, Lord, can you restore the joy of my salvation? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Allow, allow the experience of being saved to be renewed in me. I remember those first days that, that I come to the Lord. I was taking my Bible to, to school every day. And I was talking to everybody about how incredible what was taking place in my life. And there wasn't one person that didn't get uh, just at least a glimpse of the joy that was spilling over my heart because of me being saved. And he says, Lord, if you fill me with that generous spirit, if I stop being stingy and selfish, if you heal me, that word restore means heal me, I'm sick. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like taking this message to other people. I don't feel like uh, turning people in your direction. In fact, Lord, I don't like your direction, and I have an issue. I have a bone to pick with you. I'm arguing with you about things that I'm not happy with right now, so I'm not going to be talking to anybody else. And that's usually the fruit of the people who don't talk to other people. When you start seeing the vast mercies of God towards your life, you can't help but going around and telling people, listen, there's a good deal going on. Have you ever gone to a place that there's a good deal going on? It's so good, you got to tell somebody. I just had a friend of mine tell me that now in October, when stone crab season starts, there's Monty's, which is a seafood store in Miami. And, and I'll, I'll give you, because you came to church tonight, here's your bonus. At, on October 3rd at Monty's, they will be giving stone crabs for a dollar a piece. Because it's the first day of stone crab season. And only those people that live in Miami for a long time even know this, that Monty has done this ever since they started their business. So my friend who's a pastor was like, oh yeah, Joaquin, you got to be there, brother, and get there early because this is good. And it's just pouring over the information of something good that he's experienced. You know why it's not pouring over in your life? Because you're not experiencing it. Because you're not, you're not there. You haven't told the Lord, Lord, restore this stuff. There's, there's, there is stopped up. My, my, my pipes are stuffed up, man. Liquid Drano all the way. Call a plumber. Get on your knees and say, God, I'm not getting up from my knees until I cry for the people that are being lost in Miami. I'm going to cry until my family that's being lost is able to, my heart beats. Because he says like this in verse 13, he says, if you're able to restore me and if your generous spirit comes upon my life, say with me, then... And not until then are you going to teach transgressors God's way. And sinners will never convert to God until first you're the excited one. You're the one that's filled to sheer joy. You remember the Samaritan woman? One woman goes back into town and she brings the whole city. Say with me, the whole city. The, the disciples were just there, 11 of them, and they did nothing. They were thinking about food. So their ministry was poor. And if you're only thinking about the basic needs and, and the economy and you're thinking about your business, you don't have time to do what the Samaritan woman is. There was an entire city ripe, say with me, ripe, ripe. 
ready for the picking. But what was there? Nada. There was nothing coming from an 11-fold apostolic team that went into the city because all they were concerned about was me, myself, and I. Thinking about natural things. And when you're thinking about natural things, could you, could you say sterile? sterile? Celibate? There's no intimacy going on with the Lord, so there's no fruit of adjoining with him. There's no babies coming because you haven't been intimate with the Lord. You haven't got together with somebody to be intimate so there will be a fruit of the, a convert a fruit of somebody that sees what you have. When we went to this, when we went to this Channel 41 yesterday, uh, I, I went ahead and defended righteousness, but it was so impacting that when I got off, one of the cameramen told me that the producer on the show, that he, he, he has an a alternative lifestyle and says, if you go talk to the producer, I said, who's the producer of the show? I want to talk to him. And so they told me who it was, and he says, be careful, because he's on the other team. I said, no, he's not on the other team. He's a soul that the Lord wants. And I walked right into the production room. There was 15 guys, and they were shaking. Oh, my God, he's coming after me. <laughs> I said, who's Fabio? I want you guys to pray for Fabio. We're going to see him here, giving his heart to the Lord. And I said, Fabio, listen, this is a preaching. It's called Why We Believe in a World-Changing God. Why it's important to come to God. And I gave him a message. I wish that we, we, we would get busy, this church, get busy with what God has given us. And God will bless us and prosper us if we attend to his affairs first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all things will be added. We seem to give our leftover time. Hey, pastor, I think I got a half hour next week. I'm really not doing nothing. I think I have a day this month that I could maybe serve the Lord. Is that priority? Is that first? I don't think so. I, I think that when we are restored and when we have a generous spirit, then we will have an impact on who? On the rebellious and on sinners, on those people that are not right with the Lord. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's not slow. He's, he's, he's being patient with you and he, he's dragging this whole thing of creation and his coming and his return. Why, why is God taking so long? Why are we sitting on a, on, a, on a bus and the bus hasn't come? Because he wants more people on that bus. That's why God hasn't come. And you're not supposed to sit there and say, I'm saved and I'm glad I'm saved. My wife is saved. My children are saved. And, and now nobody else. No, you have to cry out the same heart of God that no one should perish, but say with me, all. Does it say all there? Or most? All. God doesn't want one person, one person to be lost. All should come to this aspect of repentance. So it says there in Romans 14, 13, and, and our heart tonight is to let you know as the church that to let you know as the church that it's our responsibility to preach the gospel. It's our responsibility to tell someone. It's our responsibility to get and not grow tired in doing this. He says, Romans 14, verse 13. Paul writes these words, verse 13. I don't have the right verse, do I? Let me look for it. 10, I'm sorry, let's go to 10. Romans 10, verse 12. No, verse 13. 10, verse 13. I'm sorry. 
Say it with me, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you a question. Has God made it easy for us to come to him? Yeah, he says, whoever calls on my name, that's it. They're in. And sometimes we make this a little bit more complicated. Oh my God, I don't know what they're gonna say. I don't know what they're gonna do. And we're gonna think, and I don't listen, forget about it. Just tell them that if they call upon the name of the Lord, God will save them. That's, that's what everyone, whoever, my, my translation here says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, no exceptions. You don't have to even doubt, should I talk to them or shouldn't I talk to them? No, I, I want you to caution this aspect of what we're doing here because Christians start doing something called evangelism dating. I'm gonna reach her for the Lord because she's good looking. Listen, I'm gonna ask God to have mercy upon you and for you not to use this as a tool to think you're slick because the devil is seeking whom he may devour. And it's always safe for a woman to reach out to a woman and a man to be reaching out to a man. Because after these preachings, a lot of men have decided to go preach to their secretary and has ended up in a adulterous affair and falling into adultery and fornication and sexual immorality. So it's not a good idea for you men to start putting cologne on and going to preach the gospel to women. Because they're gonna fall in love with your cologne and not with your gospel. Let's be careful, the same thing for with women. Oh, I was on the internet just witnessing to him. Uh, that's why you left your husband and now you're with him. And so don't, don't be foolish in that aspect. Let's, let's us be wise. The Bible says wise as a serpent and, and uh, uh, meek as doves, right? We gotta be wise. But look what it says in verse uh, 14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can come to salvation. Say with me, everyone. Okay, so how can they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they going to call upon Jesus if they still haven't heard of him? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How will they call and how shall they believe? And how shall they hear without someone to talk to them? You know, this doesn't happen by osmosis. Well, I've been praying. I remember when we moved, we... we uh, we were living in Texas for a long time and we met a family that was out of a Christian church and they prayed for us and prayed for us and prayed for us and prayed for us and prayed for us, but they never told us about Jesus. They never witnessed to us. They never, they invited us to the church picnic. They invited us to the events. They invited us, they were best friends with my parents, but they never preached to us the gospel. So you might, you might have your friends and family come to the graduate, Sunday school graduation, to the uh, uh, dance ministry. They could, all these things that they could come to, but until they hear the gospel, there's nothing happening. So let's ask God to allow us to preach the gospel, to tell somebody what we have experienced in that regards. And so in that regards, we, we go to this verse here that, that it says the scope of getting on the same line as Christ, that we would be able to go and preach the gospel to the whole world. Mark 16, verse 15. There, there is no geographical limitations. I was talking to a woman uh, this afternoon. She says, my husband never leaves the neighborhood. I said, okay, man, the neighborhood is an available place to be able to preach the gospel. Wherever you're at, in every place, wherever you're at, uh, Mark 16, verse 15, he said, go, operative word, 
opposite from stay. Go. Get moving. Move in the direction of the whole world. And go and take the word gospel as a Greek word that means good news. Hey, did you know that the money, the currency is going to run out by next year? Did you know the Democrats are going to, did you know the Republicans are, and, and we, we become the messengers of bad news. If there's one thing that your pastor hates is someone who has been called to take good news that doesn't have the good news on their lips because their heart is weighed down by other things. He says, have you preached the gospel? No, I don't think I'll ever get married. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know if I'm going to pay the mortgage next month. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we will speak what's in our heart. And if we're not speaking the gospel, it's because it's not in our heart once again. But our instruction is to go to all the world and to preach the gospel. Say with me, to every creature. Even if he looks a little funny, he looks like a creature, that's the guy. That's, that's, that has all the markings of somebody you can talk to. Usually, there's going to be one particular aspect in their life. Ready for this? They will be lost. Oh, my gosh. Look what he told me. They're lost. I have a clue what's going on. They're lost. A friend of mine was just telling me. He's a pastor now. But um, he says that when he was about 30 years old, um, he was doing so much drugs that he started hallucinating. And he was taking a shower, and he was having an out-of-body experience thinking he was going crazy. So he calls his best friend. He says, come over here quickly. And, and his friend comes over, and they have been doing drugs together. They've been ripping people off. They've been doing things that were super unlawful, illegal. They were living it up. And he sits down, and he says, look, I think that we are aliens and he says, what do you mean aliens? He says, yeah, I think we are from another world. We, we're a, you know, a flying saucer, a spaceship left us here upon the earth. He started telling his friend everything. Listen, lost people are? Don't let that impress you. They're going to tell you about things that don't make sense. So, so don't freak out and say, wow, he's crazy. Of course he is. He's lost. So his friend says, look. Listen to this. His best friend, who he did drugs with and everything, had a Christian mom. And he says, what you're saying is not true. That's not the way it is. Let me tell you the way it is. God loves you. And he sent Jesus to the cross to die so that you will be saved. And if you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, you get to go into the kingdom of God and there's no aliens and there's no extraterrestrials and you didn't come from a spaceship. And he preached the gospel so he says, how do you know all this? He says, my mom's a Christian all my life, and I hate it. But if you want to, she'll go, we could go to her, and she'll teach you. She'll, she'll get you a Bible like she got for me. And, and there's a church up north, and we'll start going to that church. And they started going to the church. And what an incredible testimony. And then he got so on fire for God that he told his best friend, we can't hang out no more. Because you're not serving God. You're not walking like God wants us to walk. And so they separated, and, and the end result is that he later becomes a pastor, and he starts a church, and, and he, he, he's loving ministry, and he loves to serve God. So how does a guy for, that believes in aliens and extraterrestrials come to be a pastor? How does somebody like me get to serve the Lord and change the world? Because somebody, my little 10-year-old cousin, looked at me in the face and confronted me and told me, Joaquin, you're wrong. 
that what you're doing is wrong. And she didn't do it to make fun of me. She didn't do this to despise me. She was trying to transfer over the information that would change my life. And that's what we need to do and ask God to do that. And so we're reading there Luke 19.10. The Son of Man has come to seek and save. And you don't have to go out of your way when you're going to preach the gospel. He compared it to fishing for men. Have you ever gone fishing? Is it quick? No. Sometimes it's all night long. He says, Lord, we've been here all night and haven't caught a single fish. But you want to know something? For the love of God, we need to go out and seek to recover that which was lost. A lot of times we stand like the older brother of the prodigal son. What did he do? He says, I don't care about my lost brother. I don't care about this guy who's out there doing drugs and messing up. That's his problem. You gave him everything, and look at this. And look what it says there in Luke 15, 20. It says the father, which talks about a, a type of God, he came to his father, and when he was yet a great far way off, a lot of these guys are going to be a great, say with me, way off. But the father saw him and had compassion on him, was suffering his suffering, and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. Kissed him on the neck. And, and he was rejoicing that the young man had turned his heart. Well, look what happened in Luke 15, 25. It says like this. Verse 25. Now the, say with me, older son. He's in the field, and as he drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. Something's going on. There's rejoicing. There's, there, I'm going I'm to say this because this is very important. There is nothing more rejoicing than you bringing somebody to the Lord. You will have the greatest sensation and feeling that you ever, there is no money, there is no cell, there is no event, there is no entertainment that even comes close to bringing somebody to the Lord. It's just something supernatural. It's your spirit giving forth the fruit of eternal offspring. It's a fruit that remains. It's, it's what really, uh, when, when your stocks have already gone, when you are gone, when your houses are gone, your business is gone, what remains is the eternal fruit. Nothing you do. I remember a man who used to work for Eastern Airlines. He spent his whole life as an attorney representing Eastern Airlines with falling airplanes. And I looked at him. He was retired already. I said, I know one thing. I don't want to be like you. Why? Because Eastern Airlines doesn't exist no more. But my kingdom, the kingdom of God, will abide forever. And we will rejoice and we'll say, Joey, you remember? We made it. We got here. We're in the kingdom. And this is eternal fruit that God is giving us an opportunity to partake with. And it says that your portion will never be taken away from you. But the older brother was upset when he heard the singing and the dancing. What's the next verse say? Verse 26. He approached the home and he says, so he called to one of the servants. Hey, what's going on in there? What is going on? Why is everybody so happy? Verse 27. He says, your brother has come because he, he has received him safe and sound. Your father has thrown a party. Your father killed a calf because there's a return of him who was lost. Verse 28, what's it say? The elder brother was happy. 
He was upset. He's so angry. He would not even come in. So his father came out and begged him, uh, say spoiled brat. Spoiled brat. He, he, he was totally indifferent. You know what he began to say? He began to say, I've never done anything wrong and you've never thrown a party for me. I've been in the church the whole time and I have never seen you dance and throw music. And he was totally apathetic and indifferent to the cause of, of somebody coming back. Um, again, I think we need to be instrumental. Every time somebody comes through those doors, it might be a son coming back. And it might be that he shows up and you're not even here. And you show up after him and you even leave before him and you never even hug him and say, congratulations, young man. You've made the best decision of your whole life. And you could count on me and here's my phone number and you call me 24-7. Whatever you need, I'm going to help you with. Carrying the burden of Christ in our hearts as the real church and, and knowing that this is the answer the world is looking for. Um, when he confronts the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, and, and she says in verse 11, John 4, 11, this is another outcast woman. She's been married five times. She's in an adulterous affair. She, the women in the city don't want to be with her. Nobody even wants to look in her direction. And Jesus stops and waits for her to come. And she says, sir, you have nothing to help me with. This well is deep. That's how a lot of people feel. There's nothing to do. It's useless. Nothing can happen in my life. Nothing is a bigger lie of the devil. God wants to do something in everybody's life. He wants to blow away, um, you know, just give them an explosive salvation experience. Doesn't matter how deep the well is. And so she says, where then do you get this living water? Verse 12. Uh, she started playing a little religion there. Let's go back to verse 10. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, listen, what we're giving people is free. They can't afford it. People think that they're going to have to come here because something's going to be taken from them. They're going to get so much from the Lord, a life in abundance at high measure. Amen. He says, the gift of God. If you knew what the gift of God is, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you something that would never fade away. You'll never thirst again. So this is, this is what God wants us to do in this restoration of the fish gate. He sent his son into the world to save the world, not to condemn it. And, and he, he desires in a radical way for you to be part of this process. And the church, if you're part of the church, you have to ask God, God, connect me. So that he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you're not connected to me, there will be no fruit. You're connected. Don't be fruit. You have people knowing and seeing what you have. Let's stand tonight and ask God to, to make us ambassadors of Christ, to implore, to plead, to ask, pray. Start, start having prayer assemblies. Get together in your houses and pray and then go and seek the lost. Go and, and, and find places where the lost are at. I know that the university, the college group goes out often and they always come back with a good report. They always say, Pastor, we caught a bunch of fish last night. There are a lot of fishies. Uh, not all of them are going to stay. Not all of them are going to be a part 
you just one instrumental part. I want to share one last testimony. Years ago, about uh, 15 years ago, I walked into a house. Say with me, divine appointment. Everything's a divine appointment. So I walked into this house, and right when I was in the living room of this house, everything was santeria. And the Lord tells him, tell him to throw all of this away, that I do, I'm not pleased with this. I said, uh-uh. <laughs> this guy's big, he's strong. I'm not going to tell him that all of his devotion needs to be thrown away. Uh-uh. I'm not going to do that. And so I, I, I got scared, and I left. I left. I didn't tell him anything. Good day, sir. Listen to me. One week later, we're sitting in a cafeteria, Cuban cafeteria, and he comes and sits right next to me. And how you doing, sir? Good, sir. He goes, you'll never believe what happened to me. And I said, no, I'll never believe it. I just finished throwing away all my santeria because somebody came up to me and told me that it was wrong. You know what I said? I said, Lord, I thought that I was doing the whole work. You had already been dealing with him for a long time. I was that, that last cherry on the top. My words were gonna prove to him that God was real. And so God had to come and use someone else, thank God. And he was so happy, and he was rejoicing and telling me, I just threw away all my stuff, and I'm so excited because now I'm a Christian. I was like, <laughs> it wasn't uh-huh anymore. It was like, my jaw dropped, and I said, Lord, I'm sorry that I thought that I was doing the whole thing. I was just part of the last thing. I was that last information that needed to come, that last hug, the last smile, the last everything's going to be all right, that, that last thing. And so you understand that God is a lot bigger than us in thinking that we're going to do the whole thing. No, no, no. One comes and plows. The other one drops a seed. The other one waters it. And then somebody picks up the fruit. So God is doing this through his body. And he did that in my life. And he did that in your life. And, and we're here. So let's be part of this process. Father, we thank you tonight for this word. We give you thanks that we get to revisit these issues of the fish gate, restoring the aspect that you want us to be fishers of men. Lord, we repent tonight. If, if you allow us to repent, Lord, if you allow us to turn our heart, if you restore the joy of your salvation, if you pour out your generous spirit on us, Lord, and we stop being selfish and stingy, and introspectively taking care of only our business, Lord, while so many people are lost, Lord. Help us, Lord, be creative in our ways of drawing fish in our direction, of talking to our relatives and friends, of opening up our houses, of doing events that are much more than just birthdays or, or bridal showers or, or different types of situations. Could you give us the creativity, Lord, to win souls for you? You have given it all. You gave your only son. You're vested. You have invested in this entirely. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were lost, you were like the Father, looking at us from far away, desiring us to come back home, Lord. Lord, can you bless this church with a revival of evangelism? Amen. 
Could you bless this church, making us hungry and thirsty for righteousness and allowing us, like the Samaritan woman, to go back into the city and to share about the man who knew about our entire life? Can we be effective in our ministry, restoring the fish gate? We pray for your spirit to be upon our lives. We pray for your goodness, Lord, because we know the days are evil, Lord. And we are called to be the light of the world. We are called to go and preach the gospel. Father, restore a missionary heart, even in our own city, in our own family. Give us a compassion for those that are mentally twisted in their sin and selfishness. Do this through your spirit and through the word that has been proclaimed here and imparted tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and the people of God say amen. Amen.